Hey, this is Julie Mullins, co-senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church right here in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you for taking time out of your busy week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. We are uh, in an amazing season in our church right now called Heart for the House. And during this time, we've been praying, God, would you give us a bigger heart for your house? Would you help us to see the church the way you see the church? What's in your heart for us as your church? David, uh, King David writes in Psalm 26, he says, I love the house where you live, O God, the place where your glory dwells. Psalm 84, it says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. Psalm 122 says this, once you say it with me out loud today, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Can I tell you, there are some things that happen here that just don't happen anywhere else. Like God intended some stuff to happen in his house, in his family, like this place is like no other place on the planet. First and foremost, it's the only place that is 100% founded by and backed and supported by Jesus Christ himself. He said in Matthew 16, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not, cannot, shall not prevail against it. Amen? So there's something on the house of God that is, Jesus is all about the church. You read your Bible, he laid his life down for the church. Not a building, not bricks and mortar, but this, this living, breathing community of imperfect, broken people that Jesus puts back together again in a family. It's here that, that the lost find a home. It's here that those that are uh, wounded can find healing. It's here where we understand our identity, that we are sons and daughters of God, that you are made in the image of God himself, that your life is full of purpose and destiny. That all happens in the house of God, y'all. That's what happens here. I want to remind you, the church, there's like four purposes that we see lived out in what the church is supposed to do, what we when I say church, I mean us, what we're supposed to be about. First, we're to help people know God, they grow in relationship with God, discover their purpose so they can impact their world. Know, grow, discover, impact. If you walk around the buildings, you're gonna see those words over and over again. First, we wanna help people know God. A lot of people don't even know they can know God. They think they can know about God, but they, they, they don't know that they can know him in a personal, intimate way. And so we want to make it easy for people to know God, which is one of the reasons why we plant campuses all over our region. We want people to easily find God and, and walk with God and, and learn what that means. We, you heard me say last week, we want to make it hard for people to go to hell living in South Florida. Because everywhere they turn, they're running into people that are loving God, on fire for God. They're seeing cross equals heart bumper stickers and those people are driving really nice. Okay. Just saying. But we wanna, we wanna help them know God and then grow in their relationship with God and with others. And you've heard me say before that life comes down to relationships. And how do I know that? Is because I have been with people as they're getting ready to take their last breath and step into eternity. And the only two things that will be on your mind in that moment, I promise you, is your relationship with God. Do you have one and how's it going? And your relationship with the loved ones in your life. That's all you're gonna be thinking about. You're not gonna be caring about how expensive eggs are. 
or who the president is, you ain't gonna carry, care. We're, all you're gonna care about is you're gonna care about your relationship with God, your relationship with the loved ones in your life. And do you know the church is the only organization on the planet committed to the two most important things in your life. Nowhere else you're gonna go this week is gonna care about those two things. And so we help you know God, grow in your relationship, discover your eternal purpose that is connected to an everlasting eternal God and the significance of that so that then you can live your life with purpose and impact and turn your world upside down, y'all. We're studying this book in the, uh, of Acts. We've been working through looking at these people who turned the world upside down. They literally turned the world, their faith in God their love for Jesus, their commitment to the mission, turn the world upside down. And they are your spiritual great, 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 great out of few grandparents. Like if they hadn't been doing what they were doing in here, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing today. What they did over 2000 years ago so changed the world that we are still talking about them on this very day. I wanna look at a passage in, in Acts chapter 17 and uh, if you read the chapters leading up to Acts 17, Paul and Silas are moving through from town to town and, and uh, people are getting saved and coming to faith in Jesus and the sick are being healed and the dead are being raised back to life and the demon possessed are being set free and delivered. And this is all disturbing the religious leaders. Like they're all upset and I can't believe this is happening. And they get angry and they, they go form a mob trying to track down Paul and Silas and the other believers. And they go to this poor guy Jason's house where Paul was staying and they drag Jason out into the street with some of his friends and shout in verse six, these are those who have turned the world upside down. Wouldn't you love to have that said about us, right? Wouldn't you like to have that reputation those people at Christ Fellowship, they're turning the world upside down. Those people, they're turning our cities upside down. Those, those students that go to that church and they go to that youth group, man, they're changing our schools. Our employees that go to that church, they're changing our workplace. They are turning the world upside down. Can I tell you, I believe that is the call of God that is on your life. God wants, I believe he wants what happens in here to affect what's happening out there. Like what happens here today should change what happens there tomorrow. Like we carry our faith with us as we go. The church, that's what happened in the book of Acts. We see that, they lived it out. Um, church was never designed to be some quiet, praise the Lord. It was never, no, no, stagnant, stale, Group of believers all constipated. No, that's not what, it's not what the, the church was designed to be ever expanding, taking ground, shaping culture, changing lives, setting captives free, opening up blinded eyes. That is the call that is on the church. And so as I've been studying, and Tom, I look excited this morning. As I've been studying in the book of Acts for these last several months for this series we've been in, one of the things, two of the things that I see over and over again that the early church did that made them who they are, that I believe are important for us today. These two things we have to constantly and continually do. What I see that they did is they constantly moved up towards God and moved out towards people. They were constantly moving up towards God. God, we need you. And then moving out towards people. People need God. See, it started with them moving up, right, to, to an upper room 
where they waited and prayed until the Holy Spirit came and the Holy Spirit fell and filled them. And we're gonna talk about that next week. Don't miss next week. Oh, I can't wait till next week. But filled them, and th- but they couldn't stay in the upper room singing Amazing Grace and enjoying the feels of the Holy Ghost. They had to go move out into the streets and tell everybody they could about Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it said that 3,000 people got saved that one day because they moved out. They moved up and then they moved out. God's vision for his church is always that we would be a people that are moving up and moving out. Moving up in prayer, moving up in the word, moving up in our times of worship, moving up because we need him and we're desperate for him. And then so that we can move out in the power of the Holy Spirit to do what only the church is equipped through the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do and be in the world. See, the world needs us to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can go and do what we're called to do, uh, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. And the problem has been, when I look down through the history of the church, the problem has been is when the church has forgotten one of those two things, moving up or moving out. We, because the church is we, forget that we gotta keep moving up. We can never be too busy to move up to spend time with God in prayer and in the word and dependence on him and our time of corporate worship and all of that moving up is so that we can be filled up with the spirit of God. So the problem has come when the church has forgotten to keep moving up or forgotten to keep moving out, gotten so satisfied, comfortable, excited about what the church can do for me. Don't ask what the church can do for you. Ask what you can do for the world because you are the church, right? And we've been created to, to go. We have a mission on our lives. So the problem has been is when the church has forgotten that mission, either moving up or moving out. And so Paul says this in Ephesians chapter two, verse 12, he says, remember that you were one at one time, you were separated. He says, remember, because it's going to be easy for you to forget. Remember that you were at one time separated, living apart from Christ, excluded from all parts in him. You had no hope. You had no promise. You were in the world without, apart from God. And can I tell you that without God, you're without hope. Without God, people feel hopeless or walking around stumbling in in the darkness. And I'm afraid that some of us have been in Christ. We've been Christians so long, we forget what that felt like. And so the apostle Paul says, you gotta stop and remember what that felt like. Like you need to remember what your neighbors are feeling like when they're, they're trying to go through the motions, asking the question, what, what is the meaning of life? And what is the purpose of life? And what, why am I here? A lot of people are feeling meaningless in life because they don't know Christ. And so Paul says, remember that so that you keep moving up and you keep moving out. So in the book of Acts, these, these people that turned the world upside down, they moved up and they moved out. See, they, they couldn't hang out in Jerusalem having potluck dinners and Bible studies in their homes every day. <laughs> no, no, they had to move out. And as they moved out from Jerusalem, they carried the gospel of Jesus out with them to places like Antioch and Asia Minor and to Athens, on into Rome, and soon into the entire Roman Empire. And the gospel of Jesus Christ spread all through the the known world, eventually making its way all the way over to Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, y'all. Thank God, right? It made its way here. And in 1984, a group of people gathered in my, my parents' living room with a desire to continue to expand 
the gospel of Jesus Christ and Christ Fellowship was started. And what then turned into 70 people meeting in a schoolhouse over at Grove Park Elementary School became hundreds of people in an old horse barn right across the street from where we are today uh, on North Lake Boulevard. But it didn't stay just one location in Palm Beach Gardens. Soon it went to Royal Palm, Wellington. It went to downtown West Palm Beach. It moved up to Stewart, Martin County. Uh, we, we started expanding into the Latino community with Christ Fellowship Espanol, hallelujah, gloria a Dios. It was awesome. Then, then we bought a Dillard store, remember that? Down in uh, Boynton Beach, we had to go to, to Boynton. Uh, somewhere along the lines, we, we started having state prison campuses in Okeechobee and Martin Counties. We went to Okeechobee, we went to Jupiter, thank God. We, we went to Port St. Lucie. In 2020, when the rest of the world was shutting down, we opened up a campus in Vero Beach. Hey, reaching people up in Vero, right? Then Riviera Beach and and then uh, down into Boca. And our latest campus just three months ago was out in the town of of Westlake. And today, this morning, thousands of people out in our Western communities are finding faith in Jesus and learning how to follow him because we all said, we gotta keep going. Like we can't just be happy here in Palm Beach Gardens. And I think about one couple, uh, Glenn and Sandra out in uh, Westlake. They showed up on opening Sunday and uh, they, somebody invited them, so they came. Uh, Sandra was raised Catholic, but not very involved in church. And Glenn was raised uh, Jewish in his faith, but not very active in that either. And they said they, they, they'd never experienced so much love, so they decided they're just gonna come back the next week and the next week. And then they jumped into the journey and that's where Sandra encountered the presence of Jesus' love. But it was on Easter Sunday, Uh, that Glenn heard the message of God's grace and he got up from the seat that he was in in the back of the auditorium and made his way all the way down to the front and gave his life to Jesus Christ out there in Westlake. How great is that? Yep. And on opening Sunday, we had the mayor of Westlake, uh, John Paul O'Connor was there and he said this about the church. He said, I'm thrilled beyond measure that Christ Fellowship is here. It's a dream come true for our community. Would that all the mayors in South Florida would say that. And it's gonna change the whole landscape out here. He says, we may not have an ocean, but we got a lighthouse in Christ Fellowship. How about those words, man? Shining bright for Jesus. I believe there's gonna be a blessing that's gonna fall on Westlake just because you got a mayor that's welcoming the presence of God into that community. Some of you know that seven years ago, we launched a campus up in Jupiter. Uh, we knew we had, to go to, we had to get Jupe for Jesus. And so we launched in a high school and then COVID hit and then we had to move into a hotel and we call them our bougie campus. Don't tell them I said that, but they're bougie. They got valet parking and candles that smell pretty when you walk down the hallways. But we knew we had to get them a place. So we're getting ready to sign a contract on a new building in Jupiter on Indiantown Road, the old Jupiter Fitness Center, 20,000 square foot building that's gonna allow us to build into people's lives. People like Madison and Natalia, two teenage girls that actually wandered into uh, that that bougie hotel and found Jesus Christ. And they're they're on fire for Jesus this morning, y'all. I saw them in here the other night. They were like, woo, we love God. And guys like uh, 89-year-old Key. Key was raised um, as a Buddhist and his family prayed for decades for him to come to faith. And one day he made that decision and walked down and said, I gotta get baptized. And we had some of y'all gonna be baptized today. He walked down and just said, I need, to, I need to declare my love for Jesus Christ, which tells me you may have to pray for 89 years, but keep praying because nothing's impossible with God, amen? So we're gonna, get him a, we're gonna all give to give a building, but it's not about the building. It's never been about the building. It's about building God's kingdom into people's lives, amen? 
In the book of Acts, we see that the, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ didn't just expand geographically, it actually changed society. What started out as a gathering of some Jewish men quickly became all sorts of people gathering under the name of Jesus, men and women, Jews and Gentiles, free and slave, rich and poor, old and young, all coming together under the authority and the love of Jesus, all equal in the sight of God, which was a revolutionary thought at the time of Christ. Can I tell you that the church of Jesus Christ has literally changed society Did you know that at the time of Jesus in the Roman Empire, it was completely acceptable and legal to leave unwanted children outside the city walls on the side of the road to be devoured by wild animals or be exposed to the elements and die? It was like, yeah, that's what you did. Until some Christ followers remembered the words of Jesus that said, let the little children come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And they ran out and they would gather the children up and bring them into their home. Unbeknownst to them, they were starting the very first orphanages that would ever care for abused and neglected children. In fact, up to that time, nobody had ever cared for abused and neglected children until the church stepped up to do that, right? And I love that that we carry that mission on today through our own place of hope, children's home that my parents started 20 years ago. And in Palm Beach County alone, we've cared for over 30,000 kids in these last 22 years or so, right? (laughs) Lifting up the name of Jesus and the hundreds of families in our church that foster and adopt, like the story that you heard of Brandon and Sarah, who they've literally had dozens of kids in their home. And the reason, did you hear what he said on that video? He said, we know that one more kid coming into our home means they're gonna get to Christ Fellowship and they're gonna hear about Jesus. And so they didn't have a vehicle big enough for all the kids they were taking in their home. So as a church, we bought them that 15 passenger van so they could keep bringing kids in their home. How great is that, amen? Let's go. And I love that as a church, um, we're carrying hope into the prisons and the orphans. Jesus said this in Matthew 25. He said, uh, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And, and who Jesus was saying this to, they, they replied back, Lord, when were you in prison? When, when, when did we see you sick? When, when did we invite you in our home? And then he said, truly I tell you, whatever you've done for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, <laughs> you've done for me. What I love is that as a church, we're doing that together. Like the homeless are being fed, Right? The, the, the orphans are finding a home. The, the widows are being loved and, and cared for. We're digging wells. Do you know that this week we're digging wells over in villages in Africa that haven't had clean water for generations? And we're bringing that to them because our faith is in action. As a church, we've got to go. And we're going into the prisons. You know this, besides our work in the county jails, we're, we're in, uh, we've got two full Christ Fellowship campuses in state prisons right here in Florida. Uh, Okeechobee Correctional and Martin Correctional Institutions and through our Sunday Bible studies and all the things we have going on there. And because of our offering we're gonna give today, we're gonna open up a third uh, 
Christ Fellowship location in Sago Palm. So we're really excited about that, right? And every week they gather together and they study the word of God and they encourage each other. And in addition to that, we have our services on these uh, devices that the inmates have all across the nation. Uh, and they have, they have only allowed to get to certain sites, obviously. And there's one app on there called the Pando app. And do you know that last year alone, we streamed our services every Sunday on those app and we had over 200,000 incarcerated men and women join us for church every day. How great is that? 200,000. Did I say 2,000 or 200,000? 200,000, I said it right, okay. Because 2,000 would be great, but 200,000 is awesome. But it all really comes down to, to one story. Guys like David Dixon, uh, he's in the picture there with the, uh, the striped shirt on. David, uh, his life had been turned upside down and destroyed by drug use and abuse. And he landed him in the Okeechobee Correctional Institution. And he thought his life was over until one of the other inmates said, hey, why don't you come to church with me? And uh, he took him to one of our services there. David said he had never encountered uh, love like that before. He, he encountered Jesus like that before. He found Christ right there in the prison. Now he's out of prison and he's a part of our Christ Fellowship family. And he said, I can't imagine where my life would be without the church because that's what the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to do. Amen. But the gospel didn't just spread geographically and it didn't just change a society. It also spread generationally. One generation would tell the next generation about Jesus and about God and about the working of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see that's so important in the word of God today. Paul, Paul had spiritual sons. Timothy and Titus were two of his spiritual sons that he invested in them and he, he uh, poured his life out into them so that their faith could be strong to carry on this mission. That's what we're called to do. It says in Psalm 145 verse four, let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts, O God. Let them proclaim your power. See, we're supposed to be passing our faith on to the generations be coming, coming behind us. This is like a spiritual relay race that we're in. Thank God that the generations before us passed it on, amen? Or how would we have known? See, God is a generational thinker. It says that, that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not just the God of Abraham and not just the God of, of Jacob. He establishes his covenant from generation to generation to the generations that haven't even come before, right? You've heard us say before that we are not a, uh, a next-gen church. There are some churches that pride themselves on being a, we're a next-gen church. We're an every-generation church, right? Because we need every generation operating, fully functioning, what they're called to do and who you're called to be, but we will never be an every generation church unless we all, wherever you are, focus on the generation that's coming up. You show me a church that does not focus on the next generation and I'll show you a church that's dying or already dead. But you show me a church that's investing in and calling up and pouring into the next generation, prophesying over the next generation, I'm gonna show you a church that's vibrant and growing and strong and the gates of hell cannot prevail against in Jesus' name, amen? You've heard me say before that the church that focuses on the next generation never ceases to exist. It'll always be going on, right? And back in January, we, we shared with you the vision that God put on our hearts, that in the race to the heart of the next generation, right? Say it with me, the first one there wins. And we have got a mandate from God himself that we gotta get there first. Like, no, we, there's no 
option here. Like we, we, if we don't get there first, somebody else is gonna beat us there, right? And since we cast that vision back in January, I can't tell you how many of you have come up to me and Julie and said, that's exactly what God has been telling us. Like we gotta do whatever it takes to get to the heart and the mind of the next generation for Jesus Christ. And can I tell you that since we, since we cast that vision back in January, we've all been working really hard. We've already launched our CF Kids University here at our church, our midweek dynamic Bible engagement for all of the elementary kids. And get this, we have over 2,000 kids that have already been participating in this, learning the word of God, memorizing scripture. That's awesome, 2,000 kids. That, you, that can change a lot right there, right? We're helping parents know how to have spiritual conversations with their kids. Because a lot of parents didn't have parents that had spiritual conversations with them. And so we're helping them know how to have that with their kids and how to read the Bible together and bring Jesus into their everyday normal lives. That's what we're believing for. We, we said uh, back in January that defining moments determine destinies. Like those moments when you're at a camp or on a mission trip and then God speaks to you. And so we said, we're gonna create more defining moments for, for all of us and especially for this generation. And we started having retreats and we started having all sorts of uh, uh, camps and mission trips, family mission trips. We got 13 more mission trips planned before the end of the year. Some of y'all need to go on a mission trip. You need to get a different perspective of what God's calling you to as a part of what we're being called to. That's all happening and that's all coming up in Jesus. We have, so what, this is hot off the press, let me tell you this. So we've, we, you know, we've upped our, our game of going into the middle schools and public high schools here in Palm Beach County. And so all of the, the stuff we're doing there, like, we're going, like we gotta go after the kids that aren't even coming to church. Like that's, that's where we gotta go. We had uh, one middle school, public middle school, that has asked us to be their formal Faith partner, I think is what they called it. What is it? You said awesome. Yeah, I just thought you were correcting me. I thought I, it is awesome. Like, I'm like, this is America. <laughs> what? Yeah, they said, we, we want you to come in. You can come in five days a week, after school, before school, have access to the kids. All the, They know we're church. They're like, we want you to step into this space. How great is that, man? Like, we're not even gonna know how that is gonna impact generations, what we're, what we're talking about right now. Some of you are like, why are we talking about this? Let me tell you why we're talking about this. Because the Bible says we have to pass our faith on to the next generation. We have to focus on helping them be strong and know who they are in Christ. So their identity is established and they're not listening to the world for their identity. They're not confused about their identity. Man, God's word says who they are. So we're gonna help them walk in that and know that and live that out. You can't even count the number of people that are gonna be changed because of what we're doing right now. See, when a church is healthy and strong and doing what it's called to do, you can't, even, you can't even put a number on the number of marriages that are saved because, man, men are surrounded with other godly men that are prophesying and speaking into their lives and holding them accountable. You can't even count all the number of teenagers or young adults that won't wander down a path over here because they've had people around their lives speaking the word of God in their life and they don't have to get out of the mess that some of us got in, right? So that's, that's why we're, we're talking about this. See, the, the, the very last verse of, of Acts, let me read it to you. It, it ends in uh, chapter 28 by saying, for the next two years, Paul lived in Rome. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching everybody about the Lord Jesus Christ. The end? Like, is that it? Is that all, is that all there is to it? Actually, acts of the Holy Spirit, acts of God, I mean, those still continue. The story of the way the Holy Spirit is moving 
in his church and through his people, it's still being written. Lives are still being transformed. Families are still being healed, right? Hope is still being built. It's happening in our church through people like Carlos and Sylvia, their lives being changed every day. Families like Todd and Sherry and Eddie. And I just, I'm looking at some of you going, I know your stories. I know what God has done in your life, Leo and Candy. I know how God is restored, right? The acts of the work of God are still being written. I could tell you about Mel who was watching online over in London and she had a, she had an encounter with the Holy Spirit online to the point that she now has moved here to South Florida to be a part of our church. God is changing people's lives. But can I tell you, the only way the message got out in the days of Acts, and the only way the message gets out today is because people like you and me are willing to sacrifice to get it out. The early church, they sacrificed to propel the gospel out of Jerusalem. The, the early church, the early Christians sacrificed to send Paul and Barnabas and Silas on missionary journeys that would actually carry the gospel to places like Athens and, and to Rome and the Roman Empire. Like if they hadn't, how would we have heard about it? And the apostle Paul has a lot to say to us about a sacrifice and about giving. In fact, in Corinthians, he tells us, he's talking a lot in Corinthians about giving and sacrifice. And he says that your example of how you give has to be Jesus. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. He says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor so that by his poverty, meaning what he gave up, you could be made rich. You could come to God. You could know salvation. And so he says, Jesus modeled for us what real generosity needs to look like. You may think you know what generosity looks like, but Paul says, look at Jesus. Look at the way Jesus sacrificed. Look at the way Jesus laid down his life. Man, that says that needs to be our model. That needs to be, Jesus's radical generosity should be the example of how radical we need to be. So if you're building a theology around generosity, around giving, around how much you keep and how much you give and what you do with what God has given you, if you're gonna build a theology around it, it means you need to look at what Jesus did with it. And what Jesus did with it, his giving had divine purposes attached to it. it. He gave so that people could come to God. And can I tell you, you're in our, my giving, your giving, it has divine purposes attached to it. When we give to God and we take something we have as common and ordinary as money and we put it into the hands of God, God can use it to do supernatural things. All those stories and the prisons and the orphans and all that were going, yeah, whoa, that all took all of us giving to make that happen, right? Becomes supernatural, becomes Extraordinary. Now let me just pause. If, uh, if, if talking about giving in church makes you feel, oh, 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 all nervous and constipated and worried about what are we talking about? Just breathe, it's okay. There we go, right? It's okay, it's okay. Um, Jesus actually said, he said these words, uh, even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life away. Serving and giving marked the life of Jesus. And it should mark the life of a Jesus follower. Serving and giving. So giving is not something we tack on to the Christian life when it's convenient or when I got more than I need. Giving needs to flow. And I saw this model in my mom and dad. They gave and gave and gave and gave. 
to people in need, the church when things were happening, it's, it should mark our lives. We should be marked by it. So if you're uh, uneasy with it, it's okay. Just breathe, it's gonna be okay. Next week we're talking about the Holy Spirit. That'll be, that'll be fine. But Paul goes on to say in this passage about giving, he says, remember this, a farmer who plants only few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants, what's that word? <laughs> Generously will get a generous crop, which is logical. If you throw five or six seeds in the ground, you're only gonna get maybe five or six, if they're lucky, you know, all five sprouts will come out of the ground. But if you take buckets and buckets of seed and you throw that in a field, man, you're gonna have a harvest that is generous. The, the reason Paul says this in the concept of giving is a lot of us see giving as losing. We think if I give it, I lost it. If I give to that needy family over here, or if I give to the Heart for the House offering like we're getting ready to do, well, then it goes out of my hand and I lost it, so I can't use that to go on vacation this summer, right? We, we see it as losing. But Jesus would say, I don't want you to see it as losing. I want you to see it as sowing. And when you take what you have and you sow into things that are eternal, there's gonna be an eternal blessing of harvest that you can't even count because that one seed becomes a plant that has lots of seeds that has, when they get planted, has lots of seeds. Do you see the ripple effect of that? It's because I want you to see it differently. And he goes on to say, in verse 11, when you give this way, you'll be enriched in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. When you give generously, there's gonna be more blessing that you'll be able to give again on more occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What he says there is because of your giving, there's people that are gonna be thanking God because they know God, because God's changed their life, because God turned their marriage around, because God saved their kids. Your giving is actually gonna cause people to go, God, thank you. Jesus, thank you for your grace, your amazing love in my life, thank you. Do you know that if you give here at Christ Fellowship, there are people all over the world today they don't know my name, they don't know your name, they don't know Christ Fellowship, but they know Jesus, hey, right? Because our giving together has produced that in their lives. So thank you. Thank you for being generous. Thank you for living that way. Thank you for allowing us as a church to do what we're called to do. But I believe if Paul was here, he'd go on to say, but let me read one more verse to you from the same passage. In 2 Corinthians 8, he says, I want you to excel in this gracious act of giving. That word excel means to grow in, to develop in, to get better at. So you may think you're good with the way you've been giving or been generous. Paul would say, you can get better. Todd, you can, you can excel, you can get better at this. I want you to stretch a little bit more and, and grow in this act of giving. And so in just a minute, we're gonna, we're gonna give an offering that I hope many of you have been praying about, our Heart for the House offering that really lets us, as a year, it's, a, it's an offering that we give, Julie and I sacrifice personally to give. I want you to know, I was telling, talking to somebody the other day, I said, hey, I'm, I'm not asking anybody to do anything I'm not doing. I'm, Julie and I are sacri like we're gonna do without some things because we wanna be a part of the thing God's doing. Like I don't get a bonus if the offering's good. I'm actually, this offering's costing me money because I wanna be a part of what God is doing. So we're gonna give that in a minute, but let me say this, Heart for the House is way more than an offering. The offering is just an overflow of a heart that's in sync with God and his heart for people. And when your heart's in sync with God and what he wants to do for people, then the offering is just an overflow of that. So when you came in today, you should have gotten one of the, the commitment cards. You can scan the QR code that's there, uh, uh, on there and, and, and listen, if you're visiting today, no pressure on you to give anything. 
Obviously, I mean, there's no pressure on anybody to give anything. Right? We always just say, you obey God. If you obey God and, and have prayed and said, God, what do you want me to give up so people can grow up knowing you and you obey and I obey, then we're gonna be able to do everything we're called to do. But I wanna give you a moment to reflect and if you need to scan the QR code or text the word heart uh, to 441441 and give online or you can use the envelopes uh, in the seat pocket, the Hartford House envelopes in the seat pocket in front of you. Uh, when you leave in just a moment, there'll be ushers with buckets if you wanna drop it off that way or you can give electronically. That's how Julie and I do it. Um, however you choose to participate, uh, I believe this is probably one of the most important, significant Heart for the House offerings we have ever given as a church. Uh, because of the race that we're in for the next generation. Like it, we've got to get there first. And this offering is gonna help us um, race towards that generation. So I'm gonna give you a moment uh, to fill that out, scan the card, fill out the envelope. And then I'm gonna pray over this special offering that we're giving this weekend. Just ask you to hold steady. And then I wanna pray a blessing over you. And I've asked the team to lead us in one more declaration of, um, of prayer over our city before we leave today. So just take a moment where you are. Jesus, we thank you for the privilege we have to participate with you in helping people that are far from you find you and walk with you and know you and experience the life and the hope and the healing that you alone can bring. And so God, we pray that you would bless the offerings that we're giving today, that you would take every dollar and that you would use it to make your name famous right here in South Florida and literally around the world as our church reaches out with hope and the love of Christ. We thank you for those that have gone before us that sacrificed to make a way so that we can even be here today, sitting in these chairs, in this room, hearing the message of hope and grace today. And God, let us do our part to just carry the message forward. If you would stand, I'd love to pray over you because the message is carried forward in living vessels, right? Living vessels that walk out with the power of God in your life and in your spirit living vessels that testify to the living lighthouses that are pointing people home to God. And so I wanna pray over you and then I ask Stephen to lead us in this last prayer for our city. Father, I thank you for the men and women and the students in this room. I pray that as living vessels, we would go out of this room on fire for you, shining bright for you with the love and grace that you poured in our lives, that we would be living lighthouses, pointing people to Jesus and that we would see revival break out in our city. We pray for Palm Beach County, God. We pray that this county would be turned around for you. We pray that those that are lost and far from you 
would find you, we pray. We pray for revival in our schools and in the prisons and in our workplaces. We pray revival to break out in coffee shops. We pray that God, wherever we are, God, we would carry revival with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, make it your prayer. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and then select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, just make sure that you subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who so generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's really because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.